Kia Koto, welcome to HR Chats with me, Teradar. Well, this is where we chat all things HR and what a lot of things HR there are to chat about at the moment. The last few years, of course, have, well, they've turned the world upside down in many ways. They've caused quite a lot of us to, to rethink what it is we want, both personally and particularly with our careers. Um, and not only us, of course, but those that we employ or that we're looking for employment for. The challenge, though, for a lot of us when we make these big decisions is... Well, here's our particular goal. Here's the particular outcome we want. Great, I'm having a good think about it. And then we never really get around to the doing. Fortunately, there are people that can help us. And one of those people is Deb Bailey. She is a leadership coach, a facilitator, a speaker, an author. She specializes in the areas of personal leadership impact, creating and maintaining high-performing teams, inside-out strategy, organizational culture, what a lot of experience she brings to the table before starting her own practice in 2018. Deb spent over 20 years at Fisher & Paykel Healthcare in global executive and senior leadership roles with strong focuses on people and culture and a vast range of experience across industries, including medical devices, technical engineering, manufacturing, facilities management, recruitment, construction, the insurance sector, so, so many areas. She's also been a member of Harins for over 20 years. Deb, thank goodness you were here to help people like myself and many others who are going, what are we going to do? Oh, kia ora, and thank you for having me. It's great to catch up with you today. It's great to catch up with you. Hey, look, a lot of upheaval. What are you, what are you seeing out there? Mm, I think a lot of what we're seeing at the moment, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about the great resignation, haven't we? Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's almost like the great realisation. You know, they've started to really think about what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? You know, all of those uh, relatively deep questions, I guess, um, that being in a lockdown situation often, you know, provides you a bit more time to think about. So I think what we're seeing is people having really had some time to do some deep thinking, to do a bit of reflection, and to decide, you know, the path I was on, is that really the path for me? Or do I want to be doing something different now? So I think that's what that's we're saying. Great, yeah, the great realisation is a, is a wonderful term for it. How much of this do you think is, is also attributable, not only to the pandemic, but to the, to the fact that we now find ourselves in times of, of almost record low unemployment, where it, you know people can suddenly think, you know what, I'm going to chuck this in and I'm going to go and, and almost walk into, into something else. Is that something that you're, you're seeing or hearing? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, there's probably two different camps, right? And I think there's there's one where people are very career focused and so uh, have the opportunity to decide, is this career still for me or am I ready for the next step in that career journey? Um, and I think there's also another camp of people where it's been, you know, what do I want? Am I feeling fulfilled? Do I enjoy not only my work, but how is that sort of nesting into my life? And, you know, is that giving me the, the sort of the personal levels of satisfaction that ultimately I want? And is it allowing me to be my best self? And I think, you know, so we've got people in two camps, I think, uh, generally speaking. So you've had this thought, right? This is, I'm not living my best life. I'm not being my best self. I've, I, I think I have more to do and to give. What what is it that helps people get from that moment of realization? Is there a sort of a tipping point that 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 pushes them through to the next thing? Is that something that needs to come from inside? 
Yes, it does typically. Um, or it could be a really good friend or partner or someone that just gives you a bit of a push. But um, generally, I think what happens for a lot of people is you get to that point where you say enough is enough. Now is the time I need to do something about this. So you could be super frustrated. Uh, you might be a little bit overwhelmed, anxious. You could just be really excited about the possibilities about what's um, sort of ahead or could be ahead for you. But often it's knowing where to start. You know, I think people want to have more impact. They want uh, to be clearer on where they're heading, but they don't always know where to start. And I think that can be sometimes what stops people from taking that first step. Yeah. In a way, you sort of, you know, it's as much as life always is. You've, you've got to be your own leader in a way and, and sort of and, and lead yourself through all of this. Now, you are an expert on leadership. You've written um, a great book about it. Tell us a little bit about the book. Sure. So the book Inside Out, Why Leadership Starts With You, is was basically targeted at what I would call busy leaders, right? So a lot of people, people that have got a lot on their radar. And um, it supports, I guess, a lot of the one-on-one -on -one coaching work that I do with people. But I wanted to have something out there for people that I don't get to work with so that they can still have access to the information and be able to do some of the stuff for themselves. Um, so basically the book is a roadmap. Um, and so it's something that will take you from the beginning right through to the end. It provides, it's very pragmatic and practical. So it provides opportunities from insight to action sort of at the end of every chapter, which allows you some thinking space. Um, and ultimately, I guess my hope was that the book supports leaders in their growth journey. And I use the word leadership pretty holistically. So as you just said before, we are all leaders of ourselves. So this is a, a self-leadership book, but it's also incredibly relevant for leaders in business, uh, leaders of teams, community, even in your own family, some of this stuff can be really valuable and useful to follow. And in a way, I guess part of that great realization is that sense that, you know, for a lot of people, they're, they're quite happy with the career they're in, but they just think, maybe I do need to upskill myself uh, or myself a, a little more. And then when you decide to do that, you type in leadership book into the Google machine or you stand at an airport terminal if you are indeed traveling or simply picking someone up and look at all of the, at all of the books. There's a lot of books on leadership out there. What was it that made you think, you know what, I, I think I've got a voice in here. I've got something that's a little bit different from what I'm seeing on the bookshelves. Mm. Um, I think for me, it was that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of excellent leadership books out there. Absolutely. And um, there's a lot of really great books that focus on your outer game. My particular passion is I come from this place of how we do our inner game of leadership is what will inform and instruct our outer game. So uh, by sort of taking that, looking through that lens um, and also looking through the lens of a more holistic approach. So we're create, we wanna create a life plan that our career plan nests into, you know, like the old Russian dolls, the Babushka dolls. We want all of that to our life and our career plan and everything else to be nesting so that we can be authentic, we can, um, you know, our values uh, span across everything. 
And so when we can do that, um, then we really are able to tap into our inner game and get the results in our outer game that we want. When you say inner game and outer game, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So um, there's a great saying, that I can't remember who it's from, but it was years ago. And it's, you know, people, people behave, or people react the way that they do because you're there. And so um, this is that piece around the inner game being all about self-awareness. You know, how conscious are we of how we're doing our leadership? So our inner game is about our strengths. You know, so how we are when we're at our best. Um, it's also about what are our derailers or our blind spots? You know, those things that can impact on our reputation. Um, and most, uh, you know, if we take derailers, for example, they're often strengths up to a point and then we just overplay them a bit. And that's when it can have an impact on our reputation. And you often know when someone's in that space or in that zone, because people will say things like, oh, that's a bit out of character for that person. Or, wow, that was really different to what they're usually like. Um, so that can sometimes be a bit of a clue that someone's sort of heading into that derailing space. Um, and then, of course, motives and values are really important because they're the things that are important to us. So they will directly impact on our behaviors. And what's interesting is if we're not aware of what our true sort of motives and values are, and we want to make some form of behavior change, what happens is uh, that change is often not sustainable because we haven't linked it back to something that's really important to us. And so this is why people, you know, um, start a habit and don't continue it after 20 days or however long it is, you know, they have the great intentions of going for the runs, they've bought the shoes and the everything, and they do it for a couple of days, and then they fall off the wagon. So understanding our motives and values um, enables us to tap into sort of why uh, those goals that we set for ourselves are really important and help us continue on that journey so that we actually achieve them and get them done. God, I look, I, I'm just looking around my office now at all of the things I thought I was going to start doing. And then I, and then I just never did. Uh, what, what is it that, that you think it prevents people from achieving the things they want? Or, or, or conversely, I suppose, when you look at people who do achieve, you know, what, what is it about them? So, so maybe we start with what is it, the things that prevent people from doing what they want? Because that's certainly up my alley. Yeah, yeah. So I love Robert Brolt's quote, which is, you know, we're kept from our goal, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. I love that. And so what is that about? It's about a lack of clarity. So what I find with leaders that I'm working with or interacting with is they've got way too much on their radar. So they start to sort of major and minor things. And, you know, it's the old, if you think back to Covey's um, urgent versus important stuff, you know, they're, they're, they're re reacting to the urgent things and not really focused in on the important stuff. So one of the things I did a few years ago, I was away on, on holiday. Um, and as you do, you know, you have your best ideas at like three o'clock in the morning. And I created what I call the goal grid. And it looks at two aspects of goals for us. One is um, our commitment to our goals, so how committed are we? But the other thing that it takes into consideration is how connected to our goals are we? So 
the goal grid talks through these four sort of phases and they're all important to um, creating our goals and ultimately achieving them. So we do need to go through all four of these phases, but we often get stuck in, in one or other of them. And the four phases are, there's the talker. So this is someone who talks a lot about their goals. They don't do anything, but they talk a lot about them. Then you've got the dreamer. So this is someone who's a bit more connected to their goal and they're maybe visualizing it but they still just don't get to the point of taking action. Then we have our planner who has a real commitment to their goal, but maybe not quite connected enough to it. And so they tend to be more committed ultimately to their plan. And it's a beautiful plan. It's often written and it's very nice, and, but then still not taking action on the actual outcome that they want to achieve. And then the fourth area, of course, is the achiever. So this is when we're not only committed to our goals, but we're also fully connected to the goals. So when I talk about uh, commitment, you know, often people will use the SMART goal process, you know, make sure your goals are specific, me measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. Um, but how many of us have smarted our goals and still not achieved them? And so that kind of was the thing that kept going on in my head. And so I looked at, um, I developed what I call honest goals. And so what that stands for is, is this goal holistic? Is it something that's going to fit into my whole life? Am I prepared to own this? Like really own this, even on a bad day? Um, is it needs-based? Like, is this something that I really need to do or have or be? Does it excite me and maybe scare me just a little because that's useful? Does it serve others? Uh, sometimes when our goals are just focused on ourselves, so we haven't got to the true why of why we're doing something, it's not enough. So often looking at that greater good around our goal, how will this serve others, gives us a bit more motivation and a bit more connection to it. And then finally, the T is, is it transformative? Is this going to make a real difference? Because if it's just a hmm, maybe nice to have, that might not be enough. So connecting, um, when we connect to our goals, we need to do that from the inside out. So we need to have that conversation, that honest goal conversation with ourselves to really decide if this is something we truly, truly want um, and that we're then ready to connect to it. Because I guess, you know, when people think of the Great Reset, they think, I'm going to reset, I'm going to change everything. How do you help people? What do you say to people when you when you consult with them or, or friends or whoever it may be when they've they've got all of this stuff? How do you help them really then narrow that down? Mm. You know, you, you've got the, the, the system and stuff. What, what sort of questions do you ask them or, or get them to ask themselves on a, on a kind of a real practical sort of level? Yeah, sure. So the first thing really is clarity. So we need to get really clear on, and generally the clarity is what's everything on our radar at the moment. You know, if you think of like, you know, you're in a submarine and you've got that radar in front of you and it brings up all the blips. Now we want to know all of the blips, but there's some of it that we can then ignore. Um, so we want to get clarity about everything that's on the radar at the moment. We then will be able to focus in on the things that ultimately matter. 
so this is like prioritizing okay so we start to get clear on you know um what are the top three things for example that are really going to make the difference for me right now um and we'll do some work around sort of leveraging around you know is there we have a life plan uh, tool and so someone will go through that and they'll rate themselves on it and decide which area they're going to focus on because it will naturally leverage the other areas in their plan. So we get clarity around that. We focus in on that stuff. And then it's all about taking action. And so going through and, you know, creating really well-formed goals and outcomes um, so that people know exactly what they need to do and they can start taking the action. And equally important, they know what they can ignore, what they you know, what's just creating the noise for them. So that's that's the really practical stuff. And it's, it's getting clear, you know, for some people, it's not that easy to get clear on what you ultimately would like to be doing. You know, what is your big picture for the future? Who's the, who do you want to be? Um, and so we might, depending on the person, some people have quite naturally do that for themselves. Um, but we can spend a bit of time in there getting really clear on what that big picture is why that is important to them because that again that's that often the why we do something is bigger than ourselves so so what's the greater good if you like around our big picture um and then we're looking at you know creating some really good goals um so that the journey from getting out of the thinking to the doing becomes a little bit easier hmm. you seen any sort of moments where you've been sitting opposite someone or, or, or the, they've emailed you or something like that, where, where you've seen a little trigger that's really made them, you know, change, where something's, they're finally, it's finally clicked for them. Any sort of examples of that? So, that, you know, perhaps if someone's listening, they can think, oh, actually, yeah, I had that moment or, or that's maybe what I need to think about. Mm. Yes. Uh, and one of the, and it's come up more than once, actually, and I think it could be a bit of a classic for some people. And that is how we actually view our life, first off. So for some very busy people, we almost view our life like a series of buckets. And we have me at work, me at home, me at the gym, me with my friends, and so on and so forth. And there can be a lot of buckets. And every time they want to try something new or do something different, they just add another bucket. Now, the problem with the buckets, of course, is that some buckets will get filled up with water and some will have no water in them at all. And what that tends to do is we then look at our buckets and we get feelings of failure that we're not quite measuring up because we haven't filled up our, all of our buckets. So uh, one of the things that I get people to do is I have what's called a life pizza. And your life pizza is basically, uh, it's a circle, right? Like, a, like a, it's a circular pizza, not a square one. And so you get to uh, slice that pizza up into as many pieces as you want that are important to where you want to head in your life. Um, and you, but you make your, the decision around the size of your pieces of pizza is going to impact all of the other pieces. So if you make a decision that, well, career is going to take up, you know, a quarter of my pizza, then you know that the other areas of your life, whether that's uh, significant other 
finances, health and well-being, uh, family, friends, whatever the other pieces are for you, you know that you've already committed a quarter to your career. So it means that we can make better decisions around, you know, holistically whether, you know, spending that much time on career right now is the right thing for me, given everything else I've got going on in my life. Whereas the bucket approach, you don't, you're looking at all of those things in isolation. So often when I have that conversation with people, all of a sudden, you know, they have the, oh, you know, they have the epiphany and it's like, oh, wow, okay, okay. Yeah, because some of my buckets aren't even relevant. So, but I keep looking at them thinking that I'm not doing what I should be doing. So, um, you know, they often prefer looking at things a bit more holistically with the old life pizza. Yeah. God, I just think I've poured all of my buckets into a single trough that's now an incomprehensible slurry of non-achievement. I need to, need to dry that out and spread it onto a pizza base uh, and then be, be able to sort of divide it up. It's funny, isn't it? You know, sometimes it's it just that simple way of, of reorientating your thinking or actually giving it a giving it a visual context. I, do, I mean, I love a, I love a pie graph. Uh, so I might change it to a pizza, pizza graph. Hey, look. For someone who's out there, you know, in, in the HR community thinking, hey, this sounds intriguing. How can this, you know, support not only them, but, but, but also, I guess, the wider HR community through, through the book? Mm. I think what the book does uh, for the HR community is it, it sort of describes the natural process that all of the leaders that I've worked with over the years and there's been a few years now, um, the process that they go through on their journey. And so understanding that is, first of all, incredibly valuable um, because it takes them from that state of being either frustrated or overwhelmed or anxious through to, you know, getting clarity and actually achieving results, um, which not only increases that leader's um, engagement and their own productivity and performance, but it has that flow on effect to their team because they're now being the leader that they always wish they had. And so that becomes inspiring. Um, their teams feel more connected um, and they are developing some really great habits. So, you know, we know that people move uh, on from organizations for a whole host of reasons. Um, and understanding, I guess, this roadmap for your leaders or even your people, they don't have to be leaders of people, um, enables you to, I guess, have, have a conversation with them around where they're at, uh, what support they might need, uh, what's going on for them, instead of having your people jump straight to that place of, I obviously need to leave, I need to move on from here now. And so I think for HR practitioners, it also gives you some insights around how can I have a better in-depth connected conversation with this person, particularly if there's someone that you don't want to lose from the organization. Um, how can I sort of structure my conversation and just sort of figure out where they're at on their journey and therefore what kind of thoughts are they having and how can I help them maybe still see that there are still opportunities because Sometimes those conversations just haven't happened. And so people end up leaving organizations for very non-strategic reasons. Um, and they don't make the best choices around where they next go to, because sometimes they're moving away from a situation as opposed to being, you know, super clear on where they're heading to. So even through, you know, through my, my HR career, there were many of those conversations over years. And 
you know, I think leaders or employees really value the opportunity to just sit down with someone who can have that conversation with them and help them think it through to get more clear. Now, they may decide, they still may decide at the end of that that they're going to move on, but they will never forget that conversation. And I think that not holds not only the HR practitioner in good stead, but the organisation, because it's an organisation where those kinds of conversations happen. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking during that, talking about this, the Great Reset and leadership, and you, and you think there is this sort of almost relentless drive to, to move up the chain. Mm-hmm. How, how many of these conversations do you know of or that you've been experiencing where someone sat there and gone, you know what? I, I did this job for a certain reason. I was really good at it. And the better I got, I moved up. And, and actually, I've, I'm not doing the job I started doing. And I, I kind of want to devolve back down, mm-hmm. move away from these positions and stay within an organization and, and go back to doing what I really loved about the job, which is also a really crucial thing to enable someone to do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so having a framework around having those types of conversations. And, you know, this is what moves us away from having monolithic performance-based conversations to more of a coaching culture. You want your leaders of people and even HR practitioners, you want everyone to be able to have coaching conversations that help people get clarity that they need uh, to make it okay it's okay to be vulnerable and to, you know, be a bit courageous in that conversation and, and really talk about what's going on. Um, because we're far better off, aren't we, having a committed, engaged employee, maybe, you know, whether it's a step back or a step sideways to where they were before they got into their current role, we're far better off having them in that place, if that's what makes sense to them in the organisation, than trying to keep them in a role where they're not engaged as much they're not fulfilled um yeah so they're they're not going to be getting the results ultimately i'm standing next to you in the bookstore and i'm going through the leadership books and i'm thinking oh i've got to got to choose one of these which and i said you what what would you recommend it's obviously gonna steve it's gonna be your book (laughs) (laughs) what's that kind of that 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 standing in the book aisle elevator pitch that you would say to say an individual leader about why they should why should they should pick up this particular book and and not the one next to it on on hot rods or whatever it may be yeah if you want to live your best life if you want to uh, as a leader if you want to get yourself and your team to the place that you ultimately want to be achieving the results that you want this is absolutely the book for you right i've picked it up already i'm on my way to the checkout hey for you, I mean, you, you've done a lot of things. Do you have any had any of those sort of moments of epiphany that that you could share? Say, actually, this this was a thing that really made me reconsider something, or someone that something that somebody said made me go, oh, you know. Even for, I guess around writing the book, oh, it's a lot of effort to write a book. You could have probably continued on without doing it. Any anything like that you want to share about your personal journey? Mm. Yeah, I think probably one of the things when I was researching for this book that really stuck with me, and I I was familiar with some of this work, but it was the work of uh, Richard Schwartz, and he does work in the internal family systems uh, model space, that's his his area of expertise, uh, psychotherapy. Um, and so internal family systems is all about, you know, the many parts that we have within us, and most of us are very familiar with our internal critic, you know, that voice that constantly uh, is chirping away. Um, 
And we often let that internal critic have more airtime than the other parts within ourselves. Um, so if anyone of you thought you were a little bit unusual having these massive inner dialogue conversations with yourself, it's totally normal. We all do it. Um, but the thing, the epiphany that I got uh, when I was digging into Richard's work uh, in a bit more detail was, you know, people often talk about, you know, trying to uh, eliminate the critic, you know, get that, get that voice out, you know, get that thing out and then we can, um, we'll, be, we'll be better, you know, we'll do better. And it's not about that. It's actually about acceptance. You know, no part within us, whether it's our inner critic or any of the other parts, none of them are, are bad and none of them are parts that we want to get rid of, but they are parts that we need to accept and understand. And we need to, um, I guess, if we're talking about the inner critic, for example, you know, we accept what the critic has had to say, but, and we go, thanks, thanks so much for that. And, and but now I'm going to let some of these other parts have a bit more of a voice because we often don't, you know, we let the, the critic have too much airtime and the other parts don't get their chance to kind of put their two cents worth in. So that was the, the one of the real epiphanies for me with Richard's work was, yeah, it, it's about acceptance and acknowledgement and it's not about trying to eliminate. We're not broken. Uh, we just need to understand and have a slightly fuller perspective sometimes because a lot of what the inner critic is talking about or, or in, you know it's a protection part that's what our inner critic is it's trying to protect us and so but it's protecting us based off something that's probably happened potentially way back in our past in our formative years and we've created rules and beliefs and, and rules of engagement around what we believe to be true and we keep applying it to different scenarios as we go through our life but that might be outdated information and not relevant to the current situation. So um, yeah, it's just about, that was, I really liked that, you know, that, that fitted so nicely with, I guess, what I've always believed around being holistic uh, in your leadership, um, you know, that, that all parts of us have a good intent, yeah. uh, even our protection part, it's a good intent, it just might not be right for yeah. the situation. Yeah, I'll tell you what my inner critic, I, I try not to listen too much to my inner critic, but they're so eloquent and persuasive. <laughs> hey, look, is there a specific New Zealand slant to this? I mean, you've worked all over the world. Are we slightly different in, in, in the way that, that we work with these kind of things, say, to picking up a book that's written by someone from the States or, or, or Europe or the UK? Yeah, I think... I think universally there's a lot of similarities. Um, you know, the people that I've worked with in all different places around the world, I haven't really know. We're more alike than we think, actually, when it comes to these types of things. Um, sometimes around the taking action piece can be a little bit different, um, or or maybe even in that vulnerability space. You know, am I prepared to actually, you know, have this conversation? Um, am I prepared to have that conversation with someone? And so what I find is that, um, you know, initially, uh, some of the leaders that I work with, they might say something like, oh, I'm, I might not have had this conversation with someone in my organization, or I might not have had this conversation with someone that I know. But now, um, having got it out, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm 
further ahead on my path. You know, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing. And and I think for some of them too, it almost makes them think actually, but now that I've had that, I could have had that conversation with someone in my organization or someone I know, I just maybe wasn't prepared to do it at the time. So I think, you know, I think we are more similar than different. Um, I guess one of the one of the key differences for New Zealand, possibly Australia as well, is that we are very uh, default to action. Um, so we are quite committed to the action, sometimes a little bit too soon. Uh, we haven't quite fully figured out what the problem is that we're trying to solve. So I think um, we have a good can-do attitude. We just need a bit more clarity around what it is that we're trying to achieve. Brilliant. All right, Deb Bailey. Uh, book is available from the website, I guess, Deb, it's deb, deb-bailey.com. Uh, anywhere else people can pick it up uh, from? Yes, uh, um, nationwide distributors also have it out in a number of different bookstores. So you would just need to check your local bookstore to see if, if it is there, but absolutely available on the website in both physical and ebook form. Oh, great. Do you get a little deal if you buy both? Because I, I like to have both, you know? Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like, I love the, the concept that the physical book, everything about it. And then, but I, practically, when you're traveling or doing something like that, it's nice to have it on your phone so you can read it at three o'clock in the morning without having to turn the light on and wake anyone else up. I'm going to yeah, look forward to reading it. Um, Deb Bailey, uh, deb baileycom You can have a look for the book there, or indeed, if you want to chat with her further she'll be available through there as well she's had a wonderful conversation with me i'm going to go and really just reassess myself on my goals i'm going to go and make a life pizza yes. later on this afternoon <laughs> this has been hr chats with me Toreda. we've had a number of these now you may have heard many of them if you haven't feel free to go back into the archives and have a listen and likewise if there is something that you would like us to talk about on hr chats then have a chat with tina at hrnz and she'll see what she can do. So from me for now, thank you, Deb Bailey. Goodbye.